Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dyster. And as always, please subscribe to PR360 on all your favorite podcasting apps. We have a five-star review. Let's get to the top of that business category. But this week, I have Ken Marshall with me. And we're going to be talking all about B2B, B2C, SEO strategy, content strategy, all the fun nitty gritty stuff that you need to know and it's very important to understand about but a little bit about him is that he is or has been really focused on things seo inbound for the last five years he's also been an endless curious person he is a coffee aficionado just like myself as well and he also has an australian shepherd puppy which is always fun because they're always fun when they're puppies most of the time oh yeah most of the time yeah but anyways, welcome to the show, Ken. Thank you so much for having me, Brett. And yes, uh, yes to coffee, yes to Australian Shepherd puppies, and SEO, that's my life right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And But the first question I saw my guest is, are you a coffee drinker? But I'm going to add a little bit more of that because we already kind of know, is what is your favorite coffee brand? Oh, so yeah, I, um, me and my wife live down in San Luis Obispo now, but I grew up in Portland, Oregon, uh, huge coffee fanatic. And so upper left, upper left roasters, if you haven't got your hands on some, you definitely should. Mm. Yeah. I haven't, haven't tried that one yet. I did try Stumptown before they became Pete's coffee, but I did have that for a while. Um, yep. So they're kind of classic. Yeah. They're kind of up there with you guys as well, <laughs> or up with Portland, Oregon, I should actually say, but can you, I gave a little brief introduction to you, but can you summarize your expertise to our listeners? Yeah, sure thing. I I took an interesting like path to SEO. I was going to be a sales guy, studied business development and stuff in school, and I uh, went to go take a look at uh, Herman Miller's factory downtown Portland after I won a, a sales competition and quickly realized that was not for me. So marketing was sort of an accident. I talked to like this uh, school counselor who was like, hey, you should go check out this digital marketing stuff like it was so new back then the curriculum and i immediately took one information architecture class which for all you non-nerds out there is uh (laughs) you know basically how the site is set up how information is organized online and that was my first foray to think that you know seo wasn't a bunch of black magic and gremlins behind the scenes but that you could understand and manipulate it and really for the last like you said six years now that's all i've been doing and just trying to hone in on how we can take SEO from a tactic or an afterthought, something you sprinkle on to an actual channel and a methodology that leads to increased business outcomes. That's what I'm obsessed about. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, with the SEO strategy and B2B, how do they get started with this? Cause I'm pretty sure some of them are like, that'd be great, but how do you do all this stuff? How do you do this magic behind the scenes <laughs> as some people might say? 
Right. Well, the the answer is something that companies often haven't done and don't want to hear, but is the truth. And that's you will never get rid of any of your fundamentals from a marketing perspective and you will never generate a return on investment without them. So what do I mean? Do you actually if you're a, we work with a lot of SaaS companies um, that are pre market, you know, pre product market fit. Uh, some B2B companies have been doing it a long time, but have no idea how their customers actually talk. They don't know how they search for them. They don't know who they are. They have no messaging done. They don't know what's different between them and competitor B or competitor C. And I always tell them if they don't have those things in order, their target customer, what differentiates their product or service, their positioning in the market and how they speak about themselves. We're not going to sign a contract because we'll generate a ton of traffic, <laughs> a ton of rankings, and it won't convert in any opportunities for their sales team. So step one, get your house in order with the fundamentals. Um, step two, I always say is about research and analysis. So what are your competitors doing? Um, do a, lot, a little bit of keyword research around, you know, if you think about every buyer has to go through a decision making process. Think about what they need in order to learn more about their problem, uh, what they need to learn about the solution, what they need to learn about your solution, and then give them a place to convert, right? So that's the awareness through the actual purchase stage. Um, and then from there, you're essentially just taking that, that research that you do, whether it's um, you know competitive analysis, that keyword research, um, auditing your own content, technical things about your website and implementing it. But there's hundreds of those factors, but the beginning starts with uh, understanding yourself and good research. Gotcha. And then with Google Analytics updates, like what should they know? I know that GA4 is going to become the dominant thing this coming July yep. as the new, basically UA is going to be called GA4. And then also I just read recently that there's a new protocol for content quality. So they're going to be basically saying that, that they're going to be factoring in content quality because just like all the other stuff, people have just been throwing out content and hopefully it will rank you up. So is that, is, are those things that they should be concerned about a little bit more is those things and actually getting your content in order, just like your house in order as well? Yeah, we, I'm a firm believer in you shouldn't start a campaign without having appropriate tracking in place. And here's the quick, Here's a quick free overview for all of you out there who are like doing it on a budget, but the basics you should have are Google Analytics, like you said, um, but they are switching over to GA4, uh, like you mentioned, this upcoming July. The helpful content update, we can get into that a little bit later, but uh, Google Search Console, also free. It shows you not only technical issues, it also says this is what keywords people are typing in, which pages they came in, which is extremely helpful for optimizing and also understanding your target customer. I always say you should also have something like a Google Data Studio. If you're in the Google Suite, it's free. It allows you to make a report for your shareholders uh, pretty quickly. And then apart from that, there's a number of other free tools, but I think if you have those, you can at least start to make really intelligent decisions. Gotcha. And then what have you found to be the most effective strategies for SEO? Is it link building still? Is it making sure your keywords are on point with your business, not just like random keywords that just make no sense? Is, is there some effective strategies for this? I think so. I think, you know, if you look at the four different buckets, which are content, 
the on-page SEO, so the stuff that the users see that also affects your rankings, um, off-page stuff, like you mentioned, which is I call the authority bucket. How does Google and your users view your brand and your website as a whole? Um, and then competitive landscape, because it is a zero-sum game. <laughs> You're not in a vacuum by yourself. You are literally competing against other people uh, at all times. And so what I would say is, you know, start with one bucket, make sure it's on point and then move on. So from a technical perspective, does your website load in under three seconds? Uh, is it user friendly on a mobile device? Which by the way, for people who don't know, Google judges you based on the mobile version of your site, not the desktop, even in B2B. From a content perspective, if I were to land on your site and not know anything about what you offer, could I go through that buying decision-making journey? Do you have case studies and testimonials to convince me? Is there solutions pages for everything that you offer or product pages? Um, is there resources and guides about, you know, if I don't know that I want a solution, I gotta get there. You're not just gonna put up a sales page and convert if I'm not in, you know, in a buying decision-making stage. So I would say from a content perspective, even before you know how to optimize it, and this is what Google is, doing with that helpful content update that happened a while back. Give somebody something that helps them accomplish their job that they wanna accomplish, the intention behind their search at every step of that journey. Um, from an off-page perspective, a lot of people think link building is dead. It isn't, it's just really awful, spammy link building is dead. So two things that I tell people to start off with. One, go to your business directories for your industry. So if you're B2B services like we are, Clutch, Design Rush, uh, there's tons, right? D&B. If you're a SaaS company, G2, Captera, TrustRadius, we've all heard of these local business, Google My Business, Yelp. That's just building trust. It's the same thing offline that works online these days. And then the other part of link building is, well, I need a website to give me a link back because that's the thumbs up of the internet, right? Just find people that sound like you or in your industry, industry publications, business partners, and offer them something helpful in exchange for that link. We like to do infographics or guest posts or we write something of a roundup, uh, but the point is build relationships and just like you would maybe for a sales campaign, reach out to people and uh, make them want to link back to you. And then the competitive thing, it's competitive landscape is always tough to give in a bite-sized uh, part of like this conversation, but I always say, if you look at your competitors for a term, like for us, it would be B2B SEO agency. And you notice that their page looks wonderful. They've got video, it's rich, it's helpful and informative. And you're trying to do a bunch of tactics. Analyze the difference between those top three results and you, and you'll probably be on a good path of understanding what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And should video start to be part of that? Because I know they've kind of recently did like a video search portion. They're starting to implement video searches. Should that be part of the SEO strategy to because video, everybody loves video, but it's sometimes really hard to actually produce. Even the person that does video all the time, it does take a lot of time and to do quality because we're always talking about quality here. So should that search now be a part of B2B's head as well? Maybe not doing it quite yet, but at least understanding that eventually this might take over a lot of just the regular search options. Yeah, I, I think the SERPs are definitely, or the search results uh, are definitely changing in favor of more rich rich snippets so for those of you listening just not the 10 blue links right you might see a description up at the top if you type in how old is the president um videos like uh, like you mentioned brett so what i would say is if you write a guide or something of 10 steps to accomplish x y or z 
then doing a video in front of a camera or having a slide just present that in a visual format, an infographic, is only gonna boost the engagement for that page. Um, I don't know the latest research on attention spans, but if you're anything like me, you do not wanna read 5,000 words in blocks of text. And so not only can video, I think, enrich that experience, from an SEO perspective, the longer that somebody's on your page, Google looks at that as a thumbs up that you're giving somebody engaging, helpful content, which only helps your performance. So I would say if nothing else, from a user experience standpoint, it's very helpful to have video and it doesn't need to be overproduced. Uh, talking head in front of the camera with a subject matter expert, some slides that show the graphics and the text along with it um, can dramatically enhance the content, which Google hasn't outright said, here's our patent for engagement metrics as an SEO factor, but those of us in the know uh, know that that's helpful, even if indirectly. Mm -hmm. I mean, the average, I think the last time I saw the average tension span is about three seconds. So just like your page <laughs> yeah. loads, they need to be about three, it's about three seconds. So, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And so should there be a new focus with SEO? Should there be more of a whole, I, I feel like it's a holistic focus, link building, content, maybe add video, audio, or whatever else you need to. Is there is there that split focus now? It's just not link building, so it's not the old school way, but also the new school of you need to make sure your content's on point. You need to make sure that you're doing everything you possibly can do right to make this SEO strategy work. Yeah, I, I have a fun little like quality test that people can give. Uh, so for the link building, be like, would your would a CEO of a Fortune 1000 company be proud of this link? Would your CEO be proud of this link that you built? That's how you know if it's going to be helpful or not. Going into a, a forum of Black Hat SEO and getting 10,000 links from that, is that going to help the business? 100% not. That's how you can tell because Google's algorithm is more sophisticated. From a content perspective, would you read all of this? If you showed one of your biggest prospect who's going to pay you the biggest check and you had you had to give them that piece of content in order to make their purchasing decision with no other sales collateral, would it work on converting them into a customer, right? And then um, as far as, so yeah, link building uh, and then the content. Oh yeah, the optimizations that you needed. Like if you had to show those to your mom <laughs> and you had to explain to her simply, you know, would they would they understand and would they be proud of the quality, right? So that, that kind of mentality brings it away from tactics and to like holistic best you know, business practices from a marketing perspective. You still have to do all of the ranking factors and the title tags and the URLs, but if you shift your mentality to I'm optimizing for a person and my business objectives, like holistically, like you said, your tactics will fall into place versus if you're only doing, well, let me change, let me add this keyword in 10,000 times to the page. Is that gonna get anybody to convert? 100% not. <laughs> you might rank for a little bit, but even if you drove a thousand users, it's not optimized for that target customer. There's no conversions. So almost like A-B test your friends and family just a little bit, or maybe yourself too, like go through your website, make sure and try to like, cause I, I remember when I was working for a company, I would, they asked me to do like tutorials and I would imagine myself as a new person, never knowing how to do this and try to be as simplistic in under in basically the tutorial was for the new users or the users that didn't know what they were doing and then i would say the advanced users could kind of use it kind of not but they did it would help everybody so what is that a way of doing it like pretend you're the actual like new user that's never been to your website and you're trying to figure out how to use it and then use family members as well would that help it as well yeah i think 
uh, actually before and after, right? So whether you're a local company, whether you're a B2B company, a SaaS company, understanding like asking your customers, hey, how did you, how did you speak about the, the product or service before you started doing business with us? Did it make sense? Did our website messaging make sense? What page did you show up on? Like we ask those questions in the sales process. And then once they become customers, it's like, did that match up with what you're actually getting? And you can show them, yeah, you can show it to your customers. You can ask the, um, the CEO, or let's say you have a product manager, who's ever the subject matter expert in your company. Once we've optimized the content, like, is this what we should actually be talking about? Does it accurately reflect what we do? And if you get yeses from those both beginning or, and before and after, I think that's how you really know. And then from there, it's like, you look at your conversion data, you look at your sales, is it is it accurately reflecting all the way through? And like you said, then you can do little tweaks and tests. But um, I think upfront, that's the work that you can do. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, what about LinkedIn for business? So, I mean, LinkedIn has been a huge thing for at least business professionals, but also the, the demand generator. What are some ways that businesses can actually use that? Because I feel like people know about it, but they don't really use it maybe as well <laughs> as they think they should. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the big thing for us and LinkedIn historically, particularly from our CEO, Alex's profile is just under a third of our revenue. So we, we know that it's, a good channel, right? We can we can objectively say it works. That's millions of dollars. Um, but the two things that I see that people do wrong right off the bat is a they try to use the company LinkedIn page as their primary driver of new business. And let's be honest, if you're a millennial and below like me, we're we're, we're over tired of brands shouting at us from the rooftops. We'd rather connect with a mission um, or a person, and that's just true. That's why influencer marketing has taken off. And the second thing is people go on there trying to be a celebrity <laughs> and get famous versus drive new business. And so the way that we approach it and we recommend everyone does this is whether it's the founder or the CEO, um, the, the leader of a company, somebody in leadership, they're like the portal to the business. And so if you can turn their profile from like an afterthought or trying to be famous into this person is gonna educate on us, educate us. If you're like me, SEO is kind of a murky topic. So you'll look on my profile, you see I do a lot of educating. Maybe it's um, they wrote a new book or they have a new round of funding or you're doing something uh, sustainable for your local community if you're a local business. That's what that founder or CEO or leader should be doing on their LinkedIn profile regularly, putting out that kind of content um, to attract people to them which will in turn attract people to the business model. That's why we believe in organic inbound. People come to you after a while because they you know, they know and trust you. And then the second tactic is just flip open your phone once a day, spend 15 minutes, add 10 people who might be good customers for you, and then respond and make relationships with another 10 or 15 people. Do that for a year and let me know how it goes. Mm. And also message them correctly because I get way too many messages where I'm like, I don't really feel like I should actually connect with you on LinkedIn. It's one of those tricky things where you got to yeah. be smart about your thing because it's like, or even your titles. I've seen a lot of titles where it's like, I can help grow your business. I'm like, I don't know if I really want to connect with you because it feels like you're just going to start selling to me. And I don't really feel like being sold to. That's a good point. I didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind because it's something I hate so vehemently, but that's a good point. I noticed I didn't say, everyone always asks like, can I use a software to reach out to a thousand people? I'm like, notice I said, spend 15 minutes building a relationship. So picture you're in real life and you want to get to know somebody, act like that. 
not a sociopath. <laughs> so what I mean is like, I might go on, uh, I might look at um, growth marketing as a channel and I'll look at somebody's post on the, the latest uh, software for content optimization. And they might know something I don't. And I'll literally just say, hey, this was super helpful. Uh, how do you know your content's optimized in post? There was no sales involved there. That's how you build relationships. So it's a really good point, Brett. Um, don't be spammy. Don't be salesy. Again, if you help people, they will come and ask you how you can help their business. You don't need to, they will ask you to sell to them when the time is right. So that's what we believe in. Also, there's a simple trick to know if someone's actually using an automated system or not. You put an emoji in front of your name and it will only do the emoji. And I oh, know yeah. they're actually doing that. <laughs> so I know when they're actually not really doing something correctly. And I'm like, yeah, okay, come on now. Yeah, no, it's the worst. We get, we, you know, we get a thousand of those a day. I ignore them all. It's a horrible business practice. We do not condone it. We don't think it works. No, it really doesn't. Cause I'll ignore you. <laughs> yeah. I have all my messages where it's just like, I ignore you. Cause I'm not really quite sure if you're going to sell, you're just going to sell to me or not. And I've had several of them where I'm like, all right, I'll try this out. And then all of a sudden immediately a sale. And I'm like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's legacy like left over from maybe eight years ago or just around that time when email was new and LinkedIn was new and you loved getting a message and maybe you were interested, but now we've all just, we've shut that off. Uh, you got to break through the noise and that's to, to us, it's being a genuine human and being genuinely helpful. People don't like to hear that, but doing that over time will result in good things for your business. I mean, it's great moving on to it to how to be effective at this as well because there is ineffective which we just talked about a little bit and there's effective so there are other other effective ways of doing it besides well actually be human uh is there like any ads you should actually use to generate all this stuff as well because i mean linkedin does have ads as well and they can be useful if done right yeah, that's from an organic perspective. Um, we actually don't run LinkedIn ads ourselves yet. Uh, we wanted to really get our three primary channels down, which we have. But what I would suggest from ads that I've seen that work well versus ads that don't on campaigns I've worked for for companies in the past is that it's really more of like a demand awareness channel. If you have no lead flow and you're desperate for cash and you don't know what your messaging is and you drop $1,000 on LinkedIn expecting to get 20 new leads next month, you will waste your money. Same thing with Google ads. Um, it's more of like, we now know exactly who our customer is. We know our messaging and we know our product is dope. We're now going to broadcast those effective that effectiveness to the correct people using people that are in our LinkedIn network. I think that's how it can be used the most effectively. And then you can take those those you know that those eyeballs and nurture them from there into qualified opportunities. So I think LinkedIn should be used in tandem. But again, one thing that we've done or I've done in the past is take those people who have uh, commented on your profile or done business with you or added you to their network. And if you advertise to those people, you can be sure that they're more in market than some random strangers that you're guessing. So either way, doing it in tandem with that organic strategy always pays dividends. Same thing with SEO and paid ads and Google ads. It's a really um, synergistic relationship. So it's almost like start small within your own network and then maybe grow out your ads once you kind of have already done a lot of that because you don't want to do the same ads over and over again to your network because it's like, I've already seen this like five times. 
Exactly. And if you, that's the reason why I like starting again, building from the fun, you'll know exactly what messaging is resonating because it's converting on the website. It's converting with your, you know, LinkedIn posts organically for free. And now you can scale it with ads after you already know it's effective versus spending tens of thousands, unless you have that much money. If you do go for it, those of you out there, but uh, for the rest of us, we like to do things effectively and incrementally that we know will work. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what is the future of the B2B SEO and the content strategy? Is it going to be more towards what the BDC is doing with different types of verticals, different types of content assets, and just trying to be like more of like having influencers or even employee influencers if they're willing to do it? Because I mean, it's also a lot of other work. Is it all that stuff coming together? Because I know B2C seems a little bit more like, ooh, flashing everything and B2B is kind of a little bit more conservative and reserved. <laughs> they don't do a lot of things that the B2Cs do actually do. Yeah, the the two biggest trends I've seen is one, B2B audiences used to be, yeah, boring. We can call it as it is. They're like, and so boring and gated. Those are the two things I've seen. And what we're realizing now is that you might be able to drive traffic with, you know, technically accurate content, right? You might be able to rank well and drive traffic, but the human being that that stressed out VP of marketing who has to buy from you and read that article and read your landing page is going to dip out. Uh, not being able to hold that attention isn't going to work. So maybe not as crazy or zany um, because B2B buyers are a little bit, you know, a little bit different than somebody sitting at home in their pajamas wanting to buy a t-shirt. They're spending tens of thousands of dollars, but the personality and speaking to that unique person who's going to buy is steadily cranking up in B2B. And I think it'll continue to do that. And the second thing that I've seen is B2B companies used to always have that, that white paper or that blog post or that case study that you had to name, address, phone number, social security number, firstborn son, right? Like you had to give them everything just to learn more. I think we've seen declining rates of effectiveness because the internet is more open. And so we've actually seen that gating that content, it shortens, or sorry, uh, squeezes the amount of people who are gonna be able to interact with your brand versus opening that up, making less gated content brings people down to your, down your funnel quicker. So those are the two major trends that I've seen from the difference of B2C, B2B and the crossover. Um, and I think we'll just continue down that road. And then as a third thing, like you mentioned, we already talked about video, but a lot more creative assets, not just text and downloads, but videos, podcasts, uh, infographics, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And so for the video portion, is there any tools that these B2B may actually use? Cause I'm pretty sure they're all like, oh, I got to do all this stuff. Where do I start? Like, how do I create this video? How do I write it? How do I like get all these different assets that seem impossible? Cause I mean, as a beginner, you're just, you're overwhelmed. So how do they get started on all this stuff if they haven't actually dipped their toes in quite yet? Yeah, I think the most simple thing to do, and granted, this isn't for a 20,000 employee company who can afford a production value and a video company. If you can do that, have a professional guide you through it and consult for you. Don't try to do it all yourself because you probably won't. But for those of us who might be a marketing department of two, maybe you're a founder yourself, I would say number one, start out by just writing down a list of pain points that your customers have. It's very simple, maybe 10, 15 of them. The second thing is write down 10 or 15 things you know better than anybody else or that you know really, really well. And then the third column will be, here's how my product or service helps each of those things. So problem, pain point, 
what you know, we call that the solution, and how that helps the customer. From there, each one of those, you can write a little quick script. Those can be bullet points if you're comfortable talking on the fly. Like, I just like writing bullet points. I don't like writing scripts. Or you can flesh it out. It should be about one page of a Google Doc or a Word document. And then I suggest getting in front of a camera like this, finding decent lighting, buying a $50 mic. I use Yeti, <laughs> the Nano. And really just going over that, and whether it's on your LinkedIn profile, if you want to make that your hub, or post it on YouTube and then post it on your website. Um, TikTok or Instagram if you're a local business or maybe B2C. But the point is producing in the short term is way better experience and will get your name out there faster than waiting eight months constantly tweaking and refining while you're not getting better at making video. You can always increase production value, but you're gonna kick yourself for not starting earlier every time. So just the talking head, good lighting with a script of one pain point at a time, I think is an excellent starting point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for the, you, we talked about where you mentioned podcast, should they just only really be guests? Because I, I mean, a lot of people are like, let's just start a podcast. And I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> wait, wait a minute here. Like you don't understand just how much time goes into this. So yeah. should, should they really be just guests right now and see if there's actually a business for this? Cause podcasts are very long-term goals they are not short term. Oh, yeah. You will not see traction in the short term you will see traction in the long term. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of, especially if they, if you don't have one marketing channel that is consistently producing leads for you, forget about everything else. You need to hone in on one. You're gonna spread yourself too thin. You're gonna waste money, guaranteed. So yeah, if you haven't figured out SEO or your LinkedIn or your um, email marketing and you're trying to do eight at once, forget about it. So I would say A, podcasts are hard, good advice, Brett. But B, if we, let's go back to the fundamentals, get one channel right before you start ex expanding. Um, that's what I believe in. Mm. And if you are thinking about it, just hire, at least consult a professional about the <laughs> podcasting thing before you yeah. do it. Cause I heard a lot of people like, it's easy. I'm like, it's not as easy as you think it is. Yes. It's easy to set up. Cause there's a lot of different mics, like you said, and they're cost effective mics. But beyond that, there's a lot that goes into this that people don't know in the back end of it. So, like I said, I think hiring a professional, if you're thinking about it, probably is the best way because they'll be like, eh, maybe you probably should. <laughs> you probably, right? It's like with websites, right? It used to be this big, amazing thing companies could charge $30,000 for to be an expert. But now you've got everybody can create a website and a blog. That's part of the helpful content update. But that doesn't mean that it's done correctly or going to generate returns for your business. So, yeah, really think about it before you get started and sink a bunch of time and money and effort <laughs> into it. And then fun question for you. What is one of the greatest lessons you've learned? Oh, wow. Um, I think I'll go personal and business if that's okay, because that's where my brain goes. Uh, the, the one for personal is um, you should always act in a way that if everybody in the universe acted that way, everything would still work. So that kind of ch changes your mindset about what you might say or do as a, as a result of somebody you may be treating you poorly or thinking of yourself. And then from a business perspective, I think I, I was somebody who always liked to tinker and move really quick and just start to build things right away. But working with startups and even working on my own uh, product a while back taught me that 
if you're not involving your customers or your target audience very early on to validate your assumptions, um, you're not going to do very well. So every business owner should, before you create a new product or a service, before you launch your new business, um, if you haven't extensively talked to your customers and understand what their needs are, or you might be your customer yourself, then I would definitely reconsider and do that first. Uh, I think that's the, the key to a good business long-term is truly understanding that person's wants, needs, and desires. All right. Where can people find you online? Uh, LinkedIn. I'm always there to have a good time and hang out, obviously. Uh, you can listen to me rant about B2B SEO strategy. Uh, and then on the on the website, we always do. And they're still with me. Uh, you can go there. And when I say free consultation, it's not just a sales tactic. I actually don't pitch anything till the second time we talk. I'm always down to talk SEO strategy and content strategy and help out. All right. Any final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, just uh, strategy over tactics. Start with the fundamentals. Go from there. All right. Thank you, Ken, for joining PR 360 and sharing your knowledge on SEO, LinkedIn, and everything in between. All right. Cheers. And thank you for listening to PR 360. As always, please subscribe to PR 360 and give us a five-star review. Get us up on those charts for the business section. And as always, join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe, understanding your strategy over tactics, and see you next week. Later.